Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Hebrews presents Christ to us in many aspects and compares him with so many great features and figures in the Old Testament. The inescapable conclusion is that there is no comparison. What a Christ we have. We will see him as our great high priest in today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Dick Taylor has returned to be a part of this classic Life Study of Hebrews, and Dick, this will be another gem today. Absolutely, and I agree with you. What a Christ we have. Dick, today we have our fourth comparison of the Christ in the New Testament compared to the many items in the Old Testament. What have we seen so far? So far, we've seen three comparisons, and now today we come to the fourth. The first comparison was the God of the Jews in the Old Testament versus the Christ in the New Testament who became flesh and who became the wonderful, life-giving Spirit. There's no comparison between the God of the Jews and the marvelous Christ today who became flesh to accomplish so much through his death and resurrection and who became a life-giving Spirit to come into us to be our life, who is in the heavens today, ministering life and everything into us. And also, the second comparison was the angels. There's no comparison between the angels and this wonderful Christ. Christ is superior. Christ is both the Son of God who created, and he's the Son of Man, as the one who really expresses and fulfills God's eternal purpose. The angels are neither God nor man. They are just ministering spirits. Who can compare Christ with the angels? Christ is vastly superior, and like you said earlier, there's no comparison. Also, Moses was compared with Christ. Christ is vastly superior because Moses was a leader. He was a builder of the tabernacle. Christ is the real leader. He's the real captain of salvation, and he is the real builder. He's both, again, the Son of God and the Son of Man. As the Son of God, he does the building. As the Son of Man, he is the unique building material. Uh, who can compare with him? Moses could not compare with him. And I appreciate John 1.17. It says, uh, the law was given by Moses, but grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. Moses was just used by the Lord. He gave the law, which just exposed man. But Christ himself came as the very grace to supply man, to enable man to enjoy God and express God. So this is the third comparison. And now we come to the comparison between Christ and the Old Testament high priest signified by Aaron. And again, there's no comparison because this priest Christ, this high priest, 
has both divinity and humanity. Whereas the priesthood in the Old Testament, signified by Aaron, was mortal, was merely human, short, very much lacking. But Christ is both divine and human. He's the complete God and the perfect man. So what comparison is this? Uh, this is the fourth one. So Christ is superior to the God of the Old Testament, the angels, Moses, and Aaron, the high priest. Our Christ Dick is a great and merciful high priest. Amen. Let's join Witness Lee for this wonderful life study. Now we come to the fourth comparison. The comparison between Christ and Aaron. In other words, our God today is much, much more excellent than the God whom the Jews worship. Our Christ today is much superior to the angels. And he is much superior to Moses. And he is also much superior to Aaron. You have to recall all the items of the talk. So many items concerning this wonderful person. Eventually, all these items just issue in one person. In other words, all these items just constitute and uh, qualify a person who is our high priest. He is the Son of God, and He is God Himself. He is the Son of Man, and He is man Himself. And He is the Captain of our salvation. And He is our Apostle. All these just constitute Him into the High Priest. Now, we have to know what is the function of our High Priest. The main duty, the main function of the High Priest is not at the altar. It's not even in the Holy Place, but in the, the holiest of all. Where God's presence and His glory are. Yes, He was on the cross, but chapter 1 of this book tells us He has finished the work, never put Him back to do the work. And now He's sitting at the right hand of God. What is He doing here? He is ministering God into you. We must see what is his main, major function as a high priest. As we have seen already, the major function of the high priest is to minister God to God's children people. I like to impress you deeply that you may realize this is all together what we need today. As long as you have such a Jesus, who is the high priest in the holy wall, I tell you, everything is fine. 
I don't like to pass on too much knowledge to you. But I would call you to one thing. That is, according to the Old Testament, whenever the high priest went into the presence of God, that was in the Holy Fall. He, the high priest, wore the shoulder plate and the breast plate. And that signified what? That signified that the whole people of Israel were on the shoulder and the breast of the high priest. And the shoulder signifies strength. And the breast signifies love. This is the experience of the high priest. Dick, the focus thus far has been on this great high priest. And this is an interesting view to see that the real function of the high priest is to minister God into people. What does this mean, Dick, to have God ministered into us? This is a marvelous phrase. What does it mean to have God ministered into us? Well, I like the footnote in the recovery version of the New Testament. And again, I would encourage all of the listeners, if you have not purchased a recovery version of the New Testament, please purchase one, because you will be brought to this superior Christ instantly, even through the help of the footnotes. And uh, in chapter 1, verse 3, it's talking about Christ as the ascended Christ. And there's a footnote that just mentions that the Christ in this book is the present Christ, who's now in the heavens, who's our minister. He's our high priest. He's ministering the heavenly grace, the heavenly authority and power, and he's sustaining us to live a heavenly life on earth. And I like this because... uh, What does it mean to be ministering God? It means to be ministering himself, who is the complete God, the perfect man, and all the riches of God that are contained within this dear one. In fact, Christ is the reality of every positive thing in the whole universe. For him to be ministering God means that he's ministering all that he is and all that he's accomplished into us as our life and our life supply. So to be in the enjoyment of the ministering of God is to be in the strengthening and the comforting and the supplying of the very life of God. This is what it means to be ministering God into man. He's here as the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And we know Melchizedek ministered the bread and the wine. So to minister God into somebody means he's ministering enjoyment into you. He's ministering himself into you as the bread and as the wine for you to enjoy and be supplied to live him and express him on this earth. And this means we would be people who are constantly enjoying his present ministry as bread and wine, as food, to be enjoyed by us so we're supplied and able to live him and express him on this earth. Dick, we've talked on previous programs that the function of the Aaronic priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, was really to minister to God's needs regarding the relationship aspect between God and his people. This ministry 
of Melchizedek as is linked to the ministry of our great high priest Christ was to minister something into the people. That's right. This is a marvelous distinction, and what an experience to appreciate and enjoy Christ in this way. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee. When you get into this experience in the Holy Spirit on his shoulders and on his breast, you will realize he is such a high priest. Wonderful. No word can describe how good it is. You may ask me, where is this? This is, on the one hand, in the third heavens, no doubt. And at the same time, on this hand, it is in our spirit. And on the third hand, it is in the church. Why? Because the church today is God's habitation. And God's habitation today is in our spirit. Not only so, even this wonderful one at the letter that joins earth to heaven and brings heaven to earth is right in our spirit. Our spirit today is one with the heavens. This may sound quite peculiar to many of you, but look at this illustration of electricity. By electricity, flowing as a current. By the current, the flowing current of electricity, I tell you, this hall is made one with the plant. You tell me, where is the electricity now? It is here in this hall, and also, while I'm speaking, my sentence has not been finished yet, it is also there in the plant. If this poor electricity could combine and make two places into one, how much the wonderful Christ can do it? You must get into this realization. Otherwise, in this book, ah, you have two instances you could never understand. Number one, chapter four says, let us draw near to the throne of grace. Then in chapter 10, it says, let us what? Have the boldness to enter into the holiest of all. Where is the holiest of all? The answer is this. This is why before verse 14 of chapter 4, the writer laid the foundation ready. The word of God so sharp Pierces into you to divide your spirit from your soul. Now it is all together a matter in your spirit. If you are a person in your mind, it's hard for you to enter in the holiness of all. If you are a soulish person, staying, staggering in your soul, you are far, far away from the holiest of all. Yeah. The holiest of all today is the third heavens. But by this wonderful Christ, the third heavens has been brought into our spirit. And our spirit today is the very place where God's habitation on this earth is. Now, 
It's so easy for us to draw nigh to the throne. Where is the throne of grace? It is in the heavens, but right now, through, by, and with this wonderful person in our spirit. It's right now in our spirit. Dick the High Priest ushers us to the throne of grace. We heard again today that the throne of grace is in our spirit. This probably sounds strange to some of our listeners to say that it is in our spirit. Dick, does this mean the same as saying that the throne of grace is in the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, because today Christ is the very life-giving Spirit. He's called the Spirit of Reality in John 16, meaning that everything He is, everything related to Him, is realized, applied to us, and enjoyed by us through Himself as the Holy Spirit. So yes, the throne of grace is really Himself as the wonderful Spirit being dispensed into us. But this wonderful Holy Spirit, who is Christ, is not only in the heavens, but he's also in our spirit. Romans 8.34 says he's there, interceding. Romans 8.10 says he's in us, in our spirit. And then 2 Timothy 4.22 says, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Ephesians 2.22 says this is where God's dwelling place is, is in our spirit. So the throne of grace is in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in our spirit. So we can come forward to this wonderful throne of grace to enjoy the ministry of the high priest by turning to our spirit, even by calling on the Lord's dear name. Oh, Lord Jesus! And we enjoy the throne of grace, who's realized in the Holy Spirit, in our spirit, to be our life and our life supply. What an enjoyment that Christ, with the throne of grace, is realized in the spirit. Dick, how significant is this in our experience to realize that our spirit becomes the access into the Holy Spirit, where the throne of grace is located? This is very significant because this means... Although Christ is in the heavens today, and the throne of grace is in the heavens, because he's the Spirit, he's also in our spirit. So we do not need to drive one inch. We just need to turn to our spirit. This is very significant. Let's go back to Witness Lee. My, it's wonderful. I don't need to tell you so many items regarding the throne of grace. I tell you, as long as you touch it, that's good enough. This throne is the very throne in Revelation chapter 4, and which God controls, rules over the whole universe. Yet, this throne to us is not a throne of authority, but a throne of grace. So, Eventually, you could see in Revelation the throne of God's authority, the throne of God's administration in Revelation chapter 4 becomes the throne of God and the Lamb in chapter 22 of Revelation. 
out of which proceeds the water of life. As a crystal clear river flowing through the whole city and within this river the tree of life grows. And this clearly shows us that the rich Christ with the living spirit all flows out of this tree. Surely we can drink of this supply and we can feed ourselves upon this supply. This is grace. But why it says we come to the tongue of grace to obtain mercy. This is because of our pitiful situation. Sometimes we come to the tongue of grace somewhat like the prodigal son and coming back to the father in a poor situation. In a situation like a beggar that needed the mercy. The mercy reaches much farther than the grace. When you are in a poor situation, someone would give you something that is a mercy. But when you are in a qualified situation, with a qualified condition, someone gives you something that is not a mercy, that is a grace. Don't you remember? A good number of times, first, when you came to him, you had the feeling you are so pitiful. But just after five minutes, my, I am the wonderful person in this universe. <laughs> so first, you have enjoyed mercy. And mercy adorns you, qualifies you. Then, you just sit down to enjoy the fatted calf. That is grace. That is grace. Every day, the help from this grace is just timely. Every day, it is something new. Every day, it is something just fitting in your situation. It's marvelous. The real Christian life in the Hebrews is a life that always not only draws near to the throne of grace, but stays in the holiest wall in front of the throne, receiving all the time mercy and grace. I tell you, brothers, this is the life we need today. Even when we are in a pitiful condition, feeling distant, even removed from the Lord and from grace, Dick, God's mercy can reach even farther than grace and bring us back to the throne of grace. Tie these points together for us. The great high priest, our spirit, mercy, and grace. Well, the great high priest is just our superior Christ, who today is not only on the throne in the heavens, but also as the Spirit is in our spirit. The high priest who is ministering the heavenly life and life supply to us 
is the Christ there, yet he's the Christ here in our spirit. And the marvelous thing is, he is rich in mercy, and he is full of grace. And verse 416 of Hebrews indicates that we should come forward to the throne of grace with boldness. That is, we should turn to our spirit, and that we might receive mercy and find grace for timely help. So our need is to continually turn, come forward to the throne of grace, and continually receive his mercy and find his grace freshly every day. The real Christian life is spelled out in the book of Hebrews, and that is a life of coming forward every day to enjoy Christ at the throne of grace, to receive his mercy and to find him as our enjoyment and our supply, the flowing one supplying us to live a heavenly life on earth. When we enjoy this one, we forget our circumstances, our weaknesses, our shortages. We just enjoy this rich one. So our daily life in the book of Hebrews is a life of coming forward to constantly receive this mercy and this precious grace. In uh, Luke 15, it indicates the prodigal son didn't deserve anything, but God's mercy reaches further than his grace. So God, in his love, was loving this one far off when he was returning. And then eventually, because of his filth and unrighteousness, he clothed him with the best robe. That was his mercy. But eventually, not only did this one receive mercy, he also received the supplying grace. So this is the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is enjoy the throne of grace, which is in our spirit, receiving constantly the Lord's mercy and enjoying him as our life and life supply as our flowing grace, enabling us to live him and to be his habitation on this earth. Hallelujah. For the high priest, our spirit, for mercy and for grace. Hallelujah. For mercy and grace. Dick, thank you again for your fellowship. Very enjoyable. Our life study of Hebrews will continue tomorrow once again with Witness Lee. For Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you today for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll free at 1 888 Life Study. That's 1 543 3788. Or you can email us radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.